0: You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we're in the final part of a sermon series called Just Tell Me Why. Just Tell Me Why. Uh, We all find ourselves asking why questions, uh, whether it pertains to relationships, marriage, family, work, money, you fill in the blank. We're asking why questions. This series has really honed in on why questions that maybe you would ask God. Maybe some of these are literal questions that you've asked God or are asking God. And so we've opened up the truth of God's Word to try to answer some of the more difficult why questions of our faith. If you miss any of the series, you can go back on our website or podcast and catch up. But today we're going to tackle one final why question. Are you ready? Yep. Cool. Good. I got six of them. I don't know about you online. The room's a little slow, okay? I'm just saying, I need to preach to somebody today, all right? If, you, if you're not talking back to me, we may be here for a little while, okay? Man, we're going to lean in today. One final why question. I'll tell you what that question is in just a second. But I wonder, um, if you had one wish, what would you wish for? You ever been asked that question before? If you had one wish and you knew it would come true, what would you wish for? Now, some of you, like, you're not going to say it out loud because you're like, I don't know if I can say this in church, but you're like, I would wish for a lot more money, okay? I would wish for more money, right? And money's not a bad thing because you could be real generous and help a lot of people and give a lot of it away, which is I know what all of you were thinking who were wishing for more money, right? I know your heart, okay? Uh, But like, you know, money, we realize if you live long enough, you realize money won't buy you happiness. And so it's not a bad answer, but it's probably not the best answer. For some of you, if you had a wish, um, maybe you would go, you know what, man, I, I really wish to be married. Like, I wish I could find Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect or whoever, okay? And uh, I'm not asking you to raise your hand today, but maybe if you are looking, you just kind of slide that hand up and look around. You know, you never know what might happen, all right? You come to the gathering and you never know what the Lord might do, Okay. Um, but some of you that's it, man. Maybe that's that's like literally that's for real. That's a deep desire of your heart. You would wish that. Um for some of you maybe it's for wish for, for happiness for your family because it's not there. You wish for health because you're walking through a season or maybe a little more popularity or a little more power at your workplace. We we all wish for a lot of different things. Every time you ask that question, what would you wish for? There's always the knucklehead that says, Well, I would wish for more wishes. All right. <laughs> you can't do that. That's illegal. Okay, that's against the rules of the game. You can't do that. Um You know, but a lot of people, if I really had to put my finger on it, um, a lot of people probably really what we're wishing for, whether we even realize it or not, is that for so many people, um, they're wishing for peace. They're wishing for peace. I mean, just think about it. If you look at the world around us right now that we're all living in, or maybe you look at just like your world, like your household, your workplace, your family, your marriage. If you're really honest today, you go, man, if I could have something, like know it would happen... Man, I would wish for peace. And so today, this is why our final why question of our series is, why can't I find peace? Why can't I find peace? Uh, As you look at scripture and you look at how Jesus interacted with people in scripture, he would greet them, welcome them. He would kind of use this phrase over and over in scripture. He would often say, peace be with you. You read that before? He'd say, peace be with you. Or after something would happen, even something traumatic, Jesus would say, now go in Peace. He would say that. Now, go in peace. You remember the apostle Paul? Uh, He wrote a lot of the New Testament, and he, as he wrote those letters, he would write, sometimes in like the greeting or in the closing, he would write these letters. He would say, or he'd write these words. He would say grace and what? Grace and peace. Grace and peace be with you. Grace and peace to you. You ever thought about that? Like, isn't it kind of interesting that, like, that's what Paul welcomed people with? That's what he signed off with. He said grace and peace, uh, there's a lot of other words that Paul could have like filled in the blank with. He could have said like, you know, grace and popularity because a lot of people want to be known, right? We want to be popular. He could have said grace and power because we all love to be in charge, have a little control. He could have said grace and riches because we all, maybe we want a little more money or for some of you, it's like grace and TikTok fame, okay? Like that's, that's maybe a desire of your heart, all right? But Paul said grace and peace, I think there's some reasons why he said that, because I would argue with you today that for so many people, whether we realize it or not, really what we want and really what we need is peace. At the bottom of what happened last night at your household, in the middle of that text feed that's going back and forth that you've got to go reply to after the gathering today, that situation that you've got to go deal with at work tomorrow, really what you would love to happen and come out of that is peace. Man, if I could just have some kind of peace, a real peace, like a divine peace from God, not an earthly peace, but for so many of us, we're longing for peace. Because how many of you know that you can have money in the bank and no peace in your heart? It It can look real good on the outside, right? And it can be hollow and empty in here. You can be married, but not have peace in your home. Don't say amen or not. Just look this way, okay? Or there won't be peace in your home. For real. For so many of us, man, we're longing for peace. That's what we want. But what so many of us have is, is not that. For so many of us, if we really pull back the, the covers today, we would see that it's the opposite of that. Man, we got tension, don't we? We're, we're afraid. There's anxiousness. Maybe there's a level of, of depression or fear inside of us. What do, you, what do you want in your relationships with your family, with your spouse, with your... I mean, you want peace with your kids that are wayward. And it's going back and forth because they're becoming adults and you're figuring out. Like, what do you want? You want peace. That's what we want. But what so many of us have is we have misunderstandings and disagreements and hurt feelings and bitterness and unforgiveness I would submit to us today that what many people really want and what we really need is peace. And so today I want us to try to answer that question from God's word. Why can't I find peace? And so if you have a copy of scripture, we're going to be um, in a passage from the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 26 is where you can turn. If you don't have a copy of scripture, it's all good. We'll put some verses on the screen from wherever you're gathering today. But Isaiah 26, as you turn there, let me just give you like a little bit of context. so It'll make sense what we're about to read. Um, In this moment that we're about to read from, it was a season really kind of a lot like today where there was a lot of unsettledness and a lot of chaos and tension and disunity, very much like the moment that we're living in really in our world And so Isaiah, he's a prophet, and so he begins to speak and prophesy of a day that's coming of passionate worship that would be filled with peace, that people would praise God for his goodness. So he's not saying this is happening now. He's saying, I believe this day is coming. And so here's what Isaiah says, 26. Look at it on the screen. We'll start in verse 1. He says, In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city, and God makes, makes salvation its walls and ramparts. So open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. Lock in, verse 3. You will keep, God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Why? Because they trust in you. Finally, verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Now, I love that promise. I I want that promise. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I, I need that promise. You will be kept in perfect peace. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of moments and days and seasons of my life where I'm a lot more familiar with imperfect peace than with perfect peace, all right? Or at least inconsistent peace. Anybody relate to me on that? I can have peace in one moment, even pray a prayer to God, trust him with something for about Three minutes. And then inside, it just turns into turmoil. Are you with me? Like I can have peace and tranquility and a sense of joy. And it feels like the very next moment or the very next day, man, it's overwhelmed with dread or fear or anxiety or or even personal insecurity. And I, I can be way more familiar with imperfect peace than with the perfect peace that Isaiah is writing about. Yet God promises it. He promises a perfect peace. So what is perfect peace? If he wrote it, it must be a real thing. What is perfect peace? Well, it comes down to uh, the original Hebrew word here for peace is the word shalom. Can you just say that with me? Shalom. Good. That'd be a good one just to drop over lunch. Okay. Hey, kids, kids, shalom. All right. Just drop that. See how that goes? Shalom. What does shalom mean? Well, shalom is a Hebrew greeting. So like when you greeted someone, like they came to you or they left you, you might say shalom. It it was a greeting, but it meant way more than just like peace as we think about peace. Um, Here's what shalom meant. Shalom meant wholeness, completeness, and fullness of peace. It wasn't like a little bit of peace or peace in one area of life, but peace, like overwhelming peace. So let me kind of break that down some. Shalom means peace with God. It means peace with God. In other words, there's never this internal sense that maybe some of you have of like, man, where am I with God? Does he like me today? Did I mess up too much last week? Do I need to do a little more? God, I'm going to go to church this weekend. How do you feel about me? Okay, like it's not there. It's a peace with God. It's also a peace with others. For some of us, that's what you need today. All right. It's never a wondering of like, where do we stand? Do we need to talk? What did you mean by that text? But it's, it's, a, it's a peace with others, it's a peace with God, it's a peace with others, it's a peace with oneself. For some of you, that's a struggle. I mean, as you think about that, that dark spot, that wayward season of your life, or that thought you had last week, or what you said last night, I may mean, you struggle to even have inner peace with yourself, but like, shalom is a, is a peace with oneself, like, I'm good with God, God's good with me, like, I'm okay, I mean, there's peace with me. So it's peace with God, peace with others, peace with oneself, and it's also a peace with your circumstances. That's full shalom, peace with circumstances. Guess what? Even when they're not the way that you would have drawn them up, there's still a level of this shalom, this peace, overwhelming completeness, peace. And what's really interesting is that the Hebrew text here in uh, Isaiah, it, it actually says it this way. It says, you will be kept in shalom, shalom. It says the word shalom twice, so it's, it's like emphasis on this Hebrew phrase. In other words, God's saying to you, you get like a double portion of peace. It's shalom, and then you need a little more shalom on top. It's, it's the peace that you want, and then because I'm a God of abundance, it, it's peace on top of that. That's perfect peace. It's a peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. Now, as we talk about peace, let's also be on the same page that peace doesn't mean that you won't have trouble in the world, okay? Jesus was pretty plain and simple when he said in John 16, in this world, you will have, what did he say? Trouble. In this world, trouble will come. You're a broken people living in a broken world. That's what he said. It doesn't mean you won't have problems. Peace doesn't mean something ain't going to break down and go wrong. Peace doesn't mean your kids ain't going to fight, Okay? Peace doesn't mean your, fr- your spouse isn't gonna frustrate you, okay? Like I frustrated my wife this week whenever I unloaded the dishes, but I put them in the wrong spot, all right? And she wasn't okay with that. And I know what you're thinking, but you unloaded the dishes. How loving of you, which is exactly what I was thinking, but I'm not bringing it up, okay? Because I want shalom in my house, all right? <laughs> Peace doesn't mean there won't be trouble. Peace doesn't mean there won't be difficult moments that we walk through, But the perfect peace of God is available to us when we begin to understand this that peace isn't found in the absence of problems, but true peace is found in the presence of God. I'm gonna say that again so somebody can write it down, all right? Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. That's what we wanna believe, that's what we wished. But true peace, lasting peace, eternal peace, the peace that matters, that you really want, that you really need, is found where? It's actually found in the presence of God. Peace is God's presence. It's it's God's perspective. It's his assurance. It's his promises in your life. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking right now. Preacher, you don't even know my world. Maybe your relationship's good other than the dishes. Maybe your family's all right and your household's good, but not mine. Man, my... My, my marriage is like ending any day now if things don't change. Where, where's peace in that? You, you don't know what I'm hearing from the doctors and the aches and the pains that I'm dealing with daily hours. Peace, shalom, where's the peace in that? You don't know what's going on in my family with our finances. The bills keep stacking up and the income ain't exceeding that. I've got a child who's struggling and they're running and making every decision that I never told them to make. Where's the peace in that? We got, preacher, we got pornography in my household. We're figuring out what we're going to do with that right now. You're telling me there's shalom. Come on. Listen to me. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. But it's found in the presence of God. How do you experience, if this word is true, how do you experience the shalom of God? I want to show you what Scripture says, okay, to encourage us in this way. Why can't I find peace, all right? First, you need to get this. The battle for peace always begins in your mind. Write that down so you don't forget it. The battle for peace always begins where? In your mind. In yours and in mine. There's a war in your mind. I Listen to me. I can know the truth of God. I can read this word, and then my mind just goes pew, right? Or better yet, can I get real with you? I can stand up here and preach this word to you. And then Monday comes. And I know what I said, but I'm just saying I can lose the war in my mind. Maybe that's you too. There's a war constantly going in your mind and mind between what? Between what God says and what my broken mind wants to believe. All right? Peace is always a battle that starts in your mind. That's why I want to show you two different translations of this powerful truth we read just a while ago. Isaiah 26. You can just look at this on the screen. I want you to see this verse in two different ways. Verse 3. The New Living Translation says this. You will keep in perfect peace. The end of it says all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Who? Those who's fixed on you, fixed on the truth of God. They're focused on God. The NIV that we read earlier says it this way. Verse three, you will keep in perfect peace those whose what? Those whose minds are steadfast. They're steady. They're stable on you. That's what Isaiah says. Notice what Isaiah doesn't say. This is gonna matter for somebody. He doesn't say you'll have perfect peace when your mind is fixed on CNN and Fox News. He doesn't say your mind will be at perfect peace when all you think about is just the future. He doesn't say that your mind will be at perfect peace when you read all that's going on on your social feed for hours every day. He, says, he doesn't say your mind will be at perfect peace when you focus in on your financial struggles or the news that you got from the doctor or you fill in your blank with your go-to fix. No, he says you'll have perfect peace when your mind is fixed and focused on the truth of God. I love this Hebrew word. There's a Hebrew word here for this word fixed, and it's the word samak. Say that one with me. Samak, good. Just work that in. Shalom samak. Shalom samak, okay? You sound really smart. They won't know what you're talking about, okay? Here's what samak means. You ready? Samak means to lean on completely. To fully rest oneself on. You, you picture like this massive pillar, strong pillar, and you just, it's just leaning your life up on it. So we could literally translate this verse to say this, perfect peace is when your mind is resting on God's promises. Do you picture that? Man, I just picture my mind getting up in this big old comfy bed, like California, king size, pull up the covers, the fluffy pillow, and my mind just rests on God's promises. Do you feel that? That's what samak is. When your mind goes there, when you are in that level of resting in the peace and the promises of God, that's where shalom is found. So my question for you is that if peace comes when your mind is fixed on God, then here's the application question for today. You ready? What is your mind fixed on? Like if I made you write down the answer to that question right now, what would you write? What, what, what is your mind fixed on most? Like in, watch this, in the idle time, at the red light, when work's a little slow, when your head's on the pillow at night and you can't go to sleep for 45 minutes, where's your mind drift to? Is that real? What, what's your mind focused on? What gets the greatest affection of your thought life some of you might say, you know what, preacher? Man, it's like all of our financial struggles we're walking through right now. What's going to happen with the job? Some of you might say, you know, it's my, it's my struggles with my health. I mean, I just think about it all the time. It's always on my mind. Some of you might say, hey, it's political division. And it's what's going on in the world right now. Or it's what might could go on in the world. It's worst case scenario. Man, you know, my mind, my mind goes to, to whatever I dread, to that conversation I got to have. So the thing I don't like, for some of you, it's that annoying person on social media that you follow. And I just say, click unfollow in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all right? And be set free in Jesus' name. You ain't got to listen to them no more. What, What is your mind fixed on most, though? You know. What is your mind and your thoughts drift to? Paul says you'll be kept in perfect peace those whose minds are what? Who are smock who are fixed, who are resting on God. Here's how Paul said it in the New Testament, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Look at this, so good. He says, fix your thoughts, set your mind on what? Well, not on what creates fear, not on what gives you anxiety, not on the bad news of the world that you keep listening to, but fix it on what's true. Lock into what's honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Does that sound like your social feed? Probably not. Think about these things. What? Things that are excellent and worthy of praise and do what? Keep putting it into practice, all that you've learned and received, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, because what's going to happen, Paul? Then the God of peace will be with you. When is the God of peace with you? When your mind is fixed on him. Well, who, what do I tell myself? I tell myself that my God is good, that he's always good, that his promises are true and his word never fails. Who is he? Well, when I'm lost, he's my guide. When I'm weak, he's my strength. When I'm hurting, he's my comforter. He's my counselor. And when your mind is fixed on him, then you can begin to resonate in the truth of what his word says. And you can ask yourself things like what the word asks. Well, who's going to separate me? I feel wayward. I feel lonely. But who's going to separate me from the love of God? Shall, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword or da- Is it going to separate me? Or how about let's, let's modernize what Paul wrote in Romans 8. Shall relational tension or loneliness or anxiety or fear or doubt or worry? No, Paul says, no, 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 no. When your mind is fixed, you realize, no, in all these things, that may happen and may come, knowing all of these things, we're what? We're more than conquerors. Who? Through Christ, who's in us, who loved me, who pursued me. And Paul says, with all my mind, because it is samach, it's resting, it's fixed, because of that, my mind is fully convinced that neither height nor death, neither angels nor demons nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. How can you say that? my mind is set my mind is fixed on him and when it is it offers a shalom shalom it's the perfect peace of God watch this that the world doesn't understand and I love how Jesus said it in John 14 27 he spoke very directly to this and he said John 14 27 peace I leave with you my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Notice this. I love it. Jesus says, he says, whose peace? He says, my peace I give to you. Not just a peace, not like what the world says or what you read or what's printed on your coffee mug that you wish you had. No, he says, my peace I give to you. Because peace is not found in the absence of problems, but is found when you recognize and live in the presence of God in your life. There's a really powerful story in the New Testament. Chances are you've probably read it before in one of the Gospels. Remember, Jesus um, and some of his disciples, they get on a boat... And they go out in the middle of the water and a storm sets in. Remember that story before you read that one? And like, it starts rocking the boat. We're talking like big time on the sea and the wind and the waves are pounding and the disciples do what you and I would have done. And they start freaking out. All right. We, we going to die. Like this, this is how it goes down right here on the boat in the middle of the water. Remember what they're freaking out. Remember what Jesus is doing? He's knocked out. He's asleep right inside of the boat. They're freaking out. Jesus is knocked out. Remember that? And what's really interesting in that story, if you studied it and looked at it from this way, there's really really two storms going on. You've seen that before? There's the visible storm, like the wind and the waves and the lightning and the thunder. There's that storm that we all easily see. But there is also a storm that's going on on the inside. I don't know about your world, sometimes for me the harder storm to tame and control is the one that's on the inside and the storm that was going on the inside of the disciples that day the doubt and the fear and the worry and the whatever else that they were thinking that their mind was set on you know what that's the one that caused them to say jesus do you even care if we die jesus where are you you going to sleep through this whole thing and I can't help but think that for some of you today, the situations and circumstances of your life that you've let your mind be fixed on, those things that you go to in your idle time, that's what's caused you, that storm on the inside to go, Jesus, like, are you even there? I've, Jesus, I prayed, I went to church three weeks in a row, and nothing has changed. He doesn't seem any different. She's not getting it. The bills are still stacking. I, it doesn't make sense. I'm trying to have faith, Jesus, but I don't even know if you care. And oftentimes the storm that's on the inside of us can be the hardest one to manage. But do you, do you remember what happened? Remember what happened in the storm? Jesus woke up and he comes out on the deck of the boat. And do you remember what he said? He said, Peace, be still. See, you you can't speak what you don't have. And I'm just saying to you today that Jesus says that the perfect peace of God, the shalom, shalom, it can be yours. It's available to you. When your mind is fixed on him, But can I be dead honest with you today? I know this truth. I believe this truth. I'm preaching it to you today. But I've not always experienced the perfect peace of God. There have been many times where I have struggled in the war of my mind for peace. Like I think about whenever I interviewed for a ministry position and I was turned down. And the inner critic said, do you even have what it takes to keep going? And I'm just telling you there was a, there was a, a war for peace in my mind. I think about when our son was born and he spent his whole first week in the NICU away from us because he was struggling to learn to breathe. And I knew what the word said. Don't preach at me. But I'm just saying it was a fight for peace. Or think about when my wife and I left our previous church to step into God's calling to launch the exchange a little over 10 years ago. And I stepped into a season of eight months of not taking a salary, but the bills weren't going to slow down. I knew we were walking in faith. I got that much. I said, yes, God, but I'm just telling you that doesn't mean there wasn't a war for peace in my mind. Or four and a half years ago when we adopted a 14-year-old girl into our family when all we knew was a four-year-old boy. And we took on all of what comes with that. I knew God called us to it, but I'm just saying I'm a real man. And there was a fight for peace that was going on inside my mind that I was not always winning. And I could tell you about experience after experience in my own life where I knew the truth. I believed the word. I could quote you a verse or two, but I struggled to know the perfect peace of God. But can I tell you something? That in every one of those circumstances, even though it was a battle, in every circumstance, I learned to make God and his word and his promises my peace. And can I tell you that in every single circumstance, for every single moment, his peace was perfect for what I needed. And today I'll tell you, it it was my shalom shalom. It was what steadied my heart and what calmed my mind and what fixed my desires on him. And so I'm just saying to you today, church, if peace is a battle, and I believe it is, then I believe we need a battle plan. If we're going to war and we're going to win the war for peace, I believe we need to carry a plan into battle. So here's what I want to do for just a second. I want to give you what I just called a battle plan for peace, all right? If we all into war... We need to go to war with a battle plan. If you go just swinging on your own, good luck. But I want to give you three truths, I believe, from God's word that we can all live with. No matter how old, young you are in your faith, in your life, this could be a battle plan for you and your peace. You ready? Write it down. First one is capture your thoughts. Capture your thoughts. I'm not proud to tell you today, church, but oftentimes my first thoughts out the gate negative it's being honest oftentimes when I wake up on Monday when I walk into the office or into the meeting or to the conversation my first thoughts go negative on what's gonna go wrong man this day's gonna be hard I got all those meetings I got to deal with that person they don't like me this conversation may not go well my thoughts go towards what's negative as a fleshly man so I'm saying to you that the first step, though, in the battle plan for peace is learn to capture your thoughts. Paul said it. Look at how Paul said it. Second Corinthians 10 verse five. He says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we do what, Paul? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The battle plan for peace begins in your mind. So you've got to learn to recognize when those thoughts start entering your mind that are pushing you towards chaos and tension rather than towards the peace of God. And some of you, I'm just being real today, you are losing that battle daily. Some of you hourly. So today, I think God's sovereign. He put you in this moment to hear this right here. I mean, capture your thoughts. Learn to captivate them. But then it goes further, capture your thoughts, and then watch this, then replace them with truth. Replace them with truth. Paul said, 2 Corinthians, take every thought captive and then do what? To make it obedient to Christ. In other words, don't just grab that thought and go, what am I going to do with it? No, then make it obedient up under the authority of Christ. It's not just enough to capture your thoughts, but you have to fill them with what's true. Replace them with what's true. Well, then here's the $100 question. How do you replace them with what's true? Well, you do that by being filled with the truth. Here's what Paul says. Soak it up. Romans 12 verse 2. Look at it. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, can we just stop for a second? What's the pattern of the world? Not capture your thoughts. But if I capture my thoughts, oh, this is good. I'm thinking right. What in the world am I going to do with it? There is no truth to replace it with. So Paul says, don't be like them, but instead be transformed, be changed by the what? By the renewing of your mind. Then what will happen? Mm -hmm. Well, then you'll be able to test and you can approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You saying I can know the will of God for my life? It's what the book says. If you renew your mind, scripture says the only way that you replace the false truths and thoughts with truth is that you've got to be filled with the truth. Well, how do you fill yourself with the truth? Well, Paul said you consistently renew your heart and your mind in the word. Listen to me. In other words, there's got to be a hunger and a discipline and a rhythm of your life to be in the word. And that rhythm and hunger and discipline is not listening to somebody talk to you for 30 minutes on a Sunday and that's it. Because you don't remember what I say by Wednesday, if not by lunch today. So there's a hunger and a discipline to fill yourself with truth. Listen to me. You, hear me, you cannot capture your thoughts and replace them with what's true if all you got to replace them with is what you read on Facebook. Or what your coworker says. Or what your classmates think with their opinion. That ain't replacing what's false with what's true. There's a hunger and a thirst in us to know God's Word and to live in God's Word. That's why I told you a while ago that we weren't meant to do it alone. So like, how do we replace our mind with truth? Well, we we do it through personally being in the Word. Man, five minutes a day, get in your Bible app for five minutes. Let it read to you on the way to work. Speak truth into my mind, Lord Jesus. And then you surround yourself with other people. Sitting in a row on a Sunday doesn't always do that. But, man, I connect with other people. I need those two guys in my life that I'm in an e-group with to speak truth into me, to remind me of what's true. Watch this. So that when I have to capture a thought, I got truth in me that I can pour it in. Don't miss this. If you wait till you're in the battle, you lost you do your homework and prep work daily consistently in the Word so that I got something true to replace it with when I capture that thought and go, what am I going to do with this? So we capture the thought, we replace it with what's true. And then final step of the battle plan for peace is that you pray for peace. Man, you pray for peace. I don't know about you, but man, whenever I pray, whether I'm praying by myself or I'm praying with our staff team or a group of people, and prayer just has a way of calming my heart and my mind. And it, it steadies me on what's true. I think God gave us prayer for us to communicate with him and know him. Yes, absolutely. But also to remind us of who he is, who his character is. In, in every season of our life, the mountaintops and the valleys, perfect peace is available So if you're going, listen to me, if you're going through a season today where you, man, you're hurting for peace. It's a season of loss, of pain, of fear, of doubt. It's very real. Man, I pray today that you would begin to take up the battle plan of peace and that you would begin to walk in the truth of the hope of what God's Word says. Listen to what Paul said, what Paul wrote from a Roman prison cell. He writes this, awaiting execution. Paul said, Philippians 4, verse 6 Hey, do not be anxious about anything. Whatever's weighing you down, whatever it is that's gripping your heart, don't don't be anxious. But in every situation, every one of them, Paul, every situation, when the marriage is great and when it's not, when the doctor's news is good and when it's bad, when the bank account's high and when it's low, when you're welcoming a new person into the world and when you're saying goodbye to somebody that you love, in every situation, by what? By prayer. Because we pray in for peace to a God who hears. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God because he's big enough to handle them. And then what happens, Paul, verse 7, and the peace of God, the shalom, shalom, which transcends all understanding, it will do this. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? It's the peace of who? It's the peace of God. It's not the peace of the world. It's not the peace of my bank account got to that place I wanted it to. It's not the peace of I think all my relationships are okay at the moment. It's not the peace of everything's where I want it to be, so I got peace. No, it's the peace of God. In other words, don't miss this. The world can't give it, and the world can't take it because it's not of the world. But it's the perfect peace of God that's available for you. And so if you're asking, I've been looking, I've been praying, why, why can't I find peace? I'm just saying today that the word says that you can. Because peace isn't found in the absence of problems. But it is found in the presence of God. And that's available for every single one of us. And so peace is a battle. So may we be people who walk into the battle this afternoon, tomorrow, morning, this week with the battle plan, men ready to capture the thoughts that the enemy sends, ready to replace them with truth, because we prepped ourselves and then Passionately, persistently praying for the peace of God in our life. There is a perfect peace from heaven and I'm saying that it's available for you. Shalom, shalom. Your portion of peace and then some. And just as Paul prayed, I pray for you. May the God of peace bring peace to your hearts and your minds and your souls in Christ Jesus as your heart and mind is fixed on him. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.